Digital Marketing Radio, episode 153. The three objectives of building a digital marketing blueprint. DigitalMarketingRadio.com I'm David Bain and this is Digital Marketing Radio. Weekly interviews with online marketing gurus. Catch up with all the previous episodes at DigitalMarketingRadio.com The big interview with David Bain I'm joined today by the CEO of a company that was named in the Inc. 5000 list of the fastest growing private companies over the past year. Welcome to DMR, Curtis Thornhill. Thanks for having me, David. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Curtis. Well, where you can find Curtis over aptmarketingsolutions.com. So, Curtis, what are the primary areas of focus in your own marketing activities at the moment? Um, so, apt marketing focuses on um, relationship marketing programs for companies. We do that in two ways. We help uh, some companies with managing their marketing operations. Um, supporting their teams by adding additional resourcing and process and structure. Um, we also are starting to work with more startups to help them uh, define their marketing strategy and really understand w- how they should be thinking about setting up their marketing teams internally. And um, today we're going to be talking about the three objectives of a digital marketing blueprint. Um, so um, how did you go about deciding that the, there should be three objectives? You know, in, it's interesting that the, the um, the premise of this actually started from an article I wrote in Chief Marketer uh, a couple of months ago um, that really talks about the strategic imperatives. So there are five uh, imperatives that uh, IBM is centered around um, technology and how it's influencing our um, our culture. Um, and the three items that came from that that really affect marketers most directly are social media, mobile, and big data. And so that's what I'd like to talk to you about today. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, so big data is certainly a big word or a big couple of words at the moment. Very um, much so. Do you think that um, every type of business needs to be thinking about doing something with big data? Or are there only certain industries or certain sizes of businesses that big data is relevant for? You know, it's a, it's a great question. So I think that what I'm struck by most often is uh, data is becoming more and more pervasive. It's, it's more accessible. There are more tools out there that make it um, usable for companies of any size. Um, and so I do think there is a place for the use of big data in any size company, but I think it looks very different. So if you are an enterprise company, of course, you're talking about more advanced and sophisticated solutions like regression analysis and customer modeling. Um, If you're a startup, conversely, I think you're looking for signals that support the marketing programs, which may not be direct correlates of metrics that we kind of more typically think of when we talk about campaigns. Um, And then I think there's also space in between where there are companies that are growing into um, platform levels amount uh, amounts of information, but they need to figure out ways to structure that data and and use it more effectively. So there's a place, but it's just a little bit different for each stage. So for a smaller type business, then do you think that um, they can still get access to reasonable big data without actually having to pay a hefty price pa- price tag actually for it? Uh, that's a great question. So. Um, I, th- I think the answer is it depends. So if you think about um, if you think about platforms like uh, Facebook as an example, mm. I think intrinsically there is access to big data um, in use of their um, advertising tools. Um, it's it's allowing you to support targeting um, using more advanced modeling that they're supporting on their side. 
But you're, you're right on. If you're talking about bringing that in-house, adding or augmenting to your customer lists with information from a third party, that could get fairly expensive. Okay, so it's about being clever about it. Um, so not necessarily spending a lot of money. So just thinking about what your resources are and um, doing what you can with that. Right, exactly. And I think on the small business side, like I said, I, there are signals, I think, that really support um, smaller businesses in understanding the directions that they should be taking before they actually need to graduate into storing larger data sets and structuring um a database that is going to capture a lot of information from both their site and the transactions that they're um, performing with their customers. So you mentioned Facebook there. I mean, what what would be a couple of um, things that a business could do in relation to using Facebook and getting more data out of it? Well, so I think it, in terms of getting data out, that's a little bit more challenging. So the, the, the structure of Facebook and most of the social platforms is really about letting you access the data rather than, you know, um, sort of bringing it back in-house. Um, what I've seen work most often for companies is they're, they're linking their, their customer lists to data inside of Facebook is um, basic models. So understanding what your customer base looks like, setting up um, two or three uh, target that sort of align to um, the types of customers that you have. So, you know, uh, demographics of gender, age, those types of things. Um, and then setting that up as a recurring model within the Facebook targeting. There's also a feedback loop on the insight side that shows you the performance of that information. Um, and I'm seeing some basic um, pullbacks of that data into uh, both from Facebook and places like Google um, to link back to customer profiles so that they're able to better target them in the future as well. So when you talk about big data to various organizations, do you think um, the majority of people actually understand what you're talking about there? Or do you think people in general, marketers in general, just have a very broad understanding and, and aren't really actively involved in pursuing what it's about themselves? You know, I think more the latter. There tends to be a, a lot of fear around the use of data. Um, again, you, you talk about things like um, regression analysis and, um, you know, algorithmic modeling. And those ten things sound like they're for big companies and that they're they're challenging and not at a level that, that most people feel that they, they currently operate. Um, and in some cases, that can be true. Like if, if you're talking about very large customer sets, it can be a challenge. But more so, I think what what really happens is there's a reduction of the process to where you where the company currently is. So at the base level of uh, a small business, really understanding and mapping out the information that, that one has access to, that can be your own customer data sets, that can be information that is um, access accessible on a temporary or secondary basis through, through platforms like Facebook or LinkedIn. Um, and that can also be um, merging data sets that um, provide and provide better insight. So if you've got um, internal information about, you know, customers and their sales, and you want to link to um, information that's available sort of more publicly around um, preferences, for example. So, you know, on Facebook, I've liked so many things, um, you know, and when, when you're able to connect those two things, there's, there's a correlation that is easily mapped, and it's it's not actually um, too difficult for um, an, any marketer to um, make assumptions on that of other things that they would like. So, you know, if if I've liked 
a certain brand and you know that you have an affinity to that brand, that mapping becomes an easy way to target. Okay, so some kind of cleverer use of data is something that's got to be incorporated into a future digital marketing blueprint. And the number two thing that you talk about is mobile technology's omnipresence. So are you saying that absolutely every single industry industry sector, again, should be concerned about mobile? Or are there certain sectors that transact mostly on a desktop type site and needn't necessarily be that concerned about mobile? You know, it's interesting when you when you're talking about um, like business and industrial, I think so, you know, um, large construction equipment that may not be the best use for, for mobile technology in the um, in the in the marketer sense and the, the very basic. Um, but for most marketers, it actually comes up fairly often. So it really provides an opportunity and access to experience and location information that helps marketers both sell a product and or to enhance an experience that, that a customer is having. So you think about a big box retailer, for example, um, they'll create apps that augment the experience inside of the store. I can create a shopping list. Um, if an item is not available in the store location that I'm currently at, I can order that online and have it delivered to my home. Um, I can ex- access amenities like Wi-Fi. Um, it's those kinds of experiences that really draw customers in and create a more holistic experience. Um, the secondary way that I think a lot of people are starting to think about mobile in that context of, of um, sort of broad business space is really around um, marketing or embedding marketing inside of Internet of Things technologies. So you'll see applications for like your lighting system and, and that sort of thing. And companies that have limited access to traditional marketing methods for for additional adoption of, of those type of features within those are finding ways to embed actions inside of their apps. Um, I think that's a little less common, though. I, I liked what you were talking about is just a moment ago, actually, in, in thinking mobile has to be part of the experience, but not the whole experience, because it may be, as you as you're saying, depending on the industry, more appropriate to conduct the majority of the relationship with someone via desktop or even over the phone or perhaps face-to-face instead. So would you say that um, probably one of the biggest mistakes that businesses make with mobile is they try and replicate everything that happens on the desktop on the mobile, and then because of that, they deliver an unsatisfactory experience to the user? Yeah, I think that's very often the case. You'll see um, with frequency um, a mirroring process where the website is just bundled into an app uh, that's downloadable. Uh, and that isn't necessarily the experience that a customer is looking for. When you talk about retail in the physical space, we see a lot of, of action and activity around conversion to online shopping, which is an important element of mobile and, and, um, and should be a, a single pillar within the strategy. But more so, uh, the actions and activities of mobile, the power that it really has, is in allowing a marketer to understand the location of a person um, and infer based on that things that are happening. So as an example, if you're walking down the street um, in town and we know that the weather is not going well, uh, I might be able to push a notification to you that says, you know, you can you can pop into the store for an umbrella. Um, those types of things haven't been possible in the past. And I think we're just starting to see that kind of activity happen. So how do you actually determine 
what it is that users are likely to want to interact with on a mobile device? Do you need to survey people, actually have conversations with people and then take that feedback and incorporate that into your strategy? Or can you get away with just testing online or relying on the recommendations of a digital agency? That's a great question. So there is always an option and an opportunity to test into things as long as the, um, there's an approach with some caution, right? Um, in scenarios, for example, the, the one I just mentioned about um, the, the bad weather in, in a city, um, there's little risk in trying to present a customer with something that they need. So you're adding value to their overall experience in life and the engagement that you have with them through your app. Or, or mobile device in general. Um, and so there, there are small, small tweaks that you can make to test in. Um, when you start talking about a, a broader scale uh, mobile application or platform that you've developed that really has um, advanced functionality and in an experience in and of itself, that tends to take a bit more testing. So where you're talking about you know, engaging with customers and linking to um, experiences on the, the website itself, solely because the, the complexity just requires you to do a little bit more work to, to dig into what's really necessary and also ensure that you're not unintentionally creating other outcomes in, in stages of, of the rest of the app. Yeah, I mean, these are all topics that we could delve into much deeper, I'm sure, and actually have um, probably an hour just in, into each topic. But it's, it's good to touch on them as well. So um, the third um, topic that you wanted to include in this blueprint was monetizing metrics to measure social media. My initial concern about that is, are, are we not in a danger that if we focus on revenue from social media that um, we might be taking the eyes off the building of relationships? You know, that's that's actually a fair point. So for me, I think the, the bundling of this is less about pure monetization and more about the evolution of social media as a channel. So um, you're starting to see a lot of publications about uh, social media no longer being the darling within sort of the digital marketing space because there's historically been so much um, um, sort of starstruck sort of uh, experience with executives around the number of people who are interacting with the brand. or the number of the, likes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like if you think about, um, sorry to digress, but if you think about BuzzFeed, they recently did a, a live stream video of a watermelon where they were placing um, rubber bands around it and it had nearly a million viewers um, live which is insane, right? Mm. And so metrics like that just blow people away. It's really hard to understand what's going to drive that kind of engagement. And it, and it really is creating an affinity to the brand that is special, right? Yeah. And so sort of going back to the point in terms of social media, I think that engagement and um, the relevance for the consumer is still going to be at the forefront and that shouldn't change. But I think when we start talking about what's happening internally, the way that, that um, businesses are starting to consider investment in social media, it does come back more to the bottom line. So they're looking for ways to measure and manage against what the conversion will look like in terms of direct sales or in terms of leading people down a journey that creates stronger affinity to the brand and purchase behavior in the future. I mean, my thoughts are senior executives go to physical offline networking events all the time and often come back maybe with a few business cards or relationships, but they don't think immediately what was the ROI of that networking event. And is it really going to be possible to actually 
measure the ROI of everything from a social perspective in the future, do you think? Or do you think some of it will be that soft, squidgy, unable to actually measure the uh, exact monetary value of? Yeah, you're, you're probably right. I think, um, you know, the adage of the 80-20 rule um, applies in a lot of senses. Mm. Um, the power of digital marketing, though, and I think where where there's extraordinary opportunity is in the fact that it is so measurable yeah. um, and it feeds back in a cycle, really, right? You're, you're able to gain insights and understanding about customer behavior, um, how they want to engage with the brand, um, where where you're seeing resonance in terms of, of the experience that you're creating um, and really influence the, the sort of future performance of your campaigns. I think you'll start to see a lot more of that. So on the consumer side, it's still about telling your brand story. It's still about engagement, but it's finding ways to um, track into a, a more of a closed loop. Even if that's as simple as, you know, clicks to the website, at least you're, you're, you're driving some behavior and set of activities that internally can be used to improve performance. Um, on the B2B side, I think it's a, it's a little bit of a different story where, um, businesses are looking for more of um, an authority marketing approach. So they're looking for almost talking heads that are speaking to industry um, issues or business practices that will affect them directly. Um, that helps them create um, an engagement with the company that's actually putting out that marketing piece, as well as provides direct content and information for them that they need at that moment. Um, and so that creates a more of a virtuous cycle um, but as you're kind of alluding to, I think that tends to take a bit longer to pay off. So it isn't as direct as saying, I've put up an ad and now I, you know, I have sales, that sort of thing. So do you think a higher percentage of digital success stories in the future will happen as a result of some kind of paid or more measurable promotion as opposed to SEO or content marketing or social media conversations? That framing is interesting. So I think if you... Uh, if you split um, content marketing as um, as purely being about creating relevant information that's available to to consumers, mm. then probably not. But I, I the argument I would make is that the the concept of content marketing really is drawing back to fundamentals of providing content and engagement with customers in ways that they want to see it, and it just happens that you know we're in a time when there is so much access and so much availability that we're trying, all of us are trying to cut through that with uh, interesting information and insights. And I don't think that will ever change. What I do think is going to become more and more prevalent um, is we'll see, we'll start to see tools and processes stacked on top of that, that let us understand the journey that customers are taking and how that's actually in the long run going to impact the bottom line. Yeah, no, great answer. I mean, over the last three or four years, we've seen such a change um, with the tools available to us for marketing automation, for really defining the actions of a user on a website and delivering relevant content to them based upon what they're likely to want. And I'm looking forward to seeing what these kind of tools are going to be doing over the next few years, because I'm sure so much more is going to happen. Exactly. I agree. Well, uh, coming up, we're going to be learning about the one piece of software that Curtis couldn't live without. But um, first of all, do you want to start your own show, dear listener? I'm in the process of pulling all my podcasting and live online broadcasting experience into one place and producing a show on how to actually master um, 
the whole thing together. So if that might interest you, uh, I'd love your feedback. So just go to startyourownshow.com, take two minutes to fill out my survey and help me to decide if that's the kind of course that I should be producing. So the domain is startyourownshow.com. But let's segue into the second section of our discussion, and that focuses on Curtis's thoughts on where digital marketing's been and where it's heading. So starting off with... Software I couldn't live without. So, Curtis, what software do you currently use in your business that if someone took away from you, it would significantly impact your marketing success? You know, uh, actually, it's a mobile app that I'm a huge fan of. It's called Caller, C-A-L-L-R. Okay. It's a free service uh, that automatically reads your calendar and uh, um, will dial into uh, meetings. So if you've set up sales calls as an example, um, it makes sure that you're connected without having to worry about the hassle of, you know, knowing the dial-in codes and you're always on time. I love it. <laughs> okay, well, here's, uh, that, that was a fairly easy question for you by the sound of it. So here's a slightly more challenging one. And that is, what piece of software don't you use, but you've heard good things about and you intend to try at some point in the near future? Well, it may have sounded easy because I'm a bit of a Luddite, actually. Um, so I am a late adopter to so many technologies in life. Um, the one that I'm probably most interested in today is called Slack. Um, it's a project management and collaboration tool for internal teams. Um, and I've actually just uh, become a member uh, as part of a nonprofit board that I'm um, uh, sitting on this year. So I'm very excited to learn more. It's it's amazingly like CEOs, the the heads of companies that are kind of dragged into Slack. Um, I was interviewing Rand Fishkin about four or five episodes ago um, from Moz, and um, he was saying, "Yeah, Slack," because he's kind of <laughs> dragged into it from his team. But um, it, it it is a tool that's getting the grip within within many small to to medium sized organizations, certainly. Yeah, definitely. Okay, um, we'll include links to both of those tools in the show notes at digitalmarketingradio.com, but moving on to... I wish I would have. So I'd like you to look back on the very first day that you're involved in trying to market a business online. What didn't you do so well? What do you wish that you would have done differently? That's an interesting question. So I think today um, we're, we're tackling an, an interesting issue where most of our marketing has been referral-based. We really... Um, uh, bring on new clients based on existing relationships with our current customers or through my personal network. Um, if I had it to do over again, I think I would have invested more heavily in um, understanding ways to bring on new customer leads through uh, pure online channels. So SEM, LinkedIn, that sort of thing. Um, it's something that we're attacking today. And it's been an interesting problem of, of finding the right balance. You would have taken advantage of... Um Google AdWords 10 years ago when it was a penny per per click, basically, and things like that. Definitively, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, this is the, um, the this or that round. quick response round. So 10 quick questions here, just two rows. Try not to think about the answer too much, and you're only allowed to say the word both on one occasion. Ready to go? Ready. Email or Twitter? Email. Audio or video? Video. Affiliates or display advertising? Affiliates. Facebook or Google Plus? Facebook. Online press releases or one-on-one -on -one relations? One-on-one -on -one relations. Paid search or SEO? Both. Email contact form or telephone number? Telephone number. Website or app? 
website. <laughs> Social subscriber or email subscriber? Email subscriber. And local marketing or global marketing? I would say global marketing. Couple of interesting ones there. I thought you were going to definitely go for paid search over SEO, but you, you still um, you, you went for your both there. So SEO is still important to you. I, I think it is. Yeah. yeah. And um, website or app? That was a bit of a struggle as well, wasn't it? Yeah, that one was tough for me. I think that um, you know, I mean, we've we've spent some time talking about mobile today, and it is obviously really critical and directionally where a lot of marketing is going. Um, but when you think about the grounding of uh, sort of an online presence. There really is a lot that comes from an on, a website that, that is hard to beat at this stage. You know, I'm not sure that that will always be the case, but it's, it is today. Okay, so you're on the cusp at the moment. So t- by the sound of it, two years ago, it would have easily been website. And two years into the future, it might be amp. That's true. That's true. <laughs> the $10,000 question. If I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend it over the next few days on a single thing to grow your business... What would you spend it on and how would you measure success? Well, David, we've talked a little bit about it. I think I would focus on um, Facebook retargeting, Mm. um, both because of the opportunity to really, really focus on the the type of customer you're looking for, but also the insights and um, uh, reporting that you get on the back end to really understand how it's performing. And would you manage it natively within Facebook or would you use a third party platform to do that on your behalf? That's a good question. I think in in our case, we're a little unique. And we tend to have uh, a very specific client that we're looking for, so I'd probably manage it natively. But I feel like for the the general marketing population, and really no one does that anymore. It's always a, it's all about the third party tools. My number one takeaway. Well, Curtis, you've offered a lot of um, great um, thoughts, great um, advice in our conversation. But what would you say is the number one takeaway? What's the single most important step that our listeners need to take away and implement in their businesses? Uh, For me, I think based on on the the scope that we've covered, really, I would focus on investing in an internal rigor around big data. Um, That doesn't have to be, like I said, you know, a a very advanced um, solution or you know, a build out of an entire team. But I do think taking the, the steps to, to map out what that will look like internally will set up um, a lot of new opportunities, help you improve your performance, and also enhance a lot of the campaigns that are currently running. That takes us to the end of our discussion today. So thank you so much for your time and your advice. What's the best way for our audience to find out more about you and what you do? Uh, David, I'm available at, at aptresults, A-P-T-R-E-S-U-L-T-S on Twitter, um, Curtis at aptmarketinggroup.com, or you can go to our website, uh, aptmarketingsolutions.com. Wonderful. And I'll make sure there's links to that in the show notes at digitalmarketingradio.com. So yeah, thanks to Curtis and thanks dear listener too. If you enjoyed what Curtis shared today, here's how you can help. Go and get your friend's iPhone, go to the podcast app and search for Digital Marketing Radio. Click on the show and then hit the subscribe button and make them listen too. Finally, I'm also hosting another live show every Friday called This Week in Organic. So head over to thisweekinorganic.com to find out more about that. But that's all for now. Until we meet again, adios. And thanks again for joining me, Curtis. Um, Great show. Thank you, David. I appreciate it.